Quest Community Church, living life as friends with faith through knowing God, loving others, and making a difference. I love that. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning. How are you doing this morning? Um, that is one of Wendy's favorite scriptures. It's, it's also one of mine. As a matter of fact, the whole book of Ephesians is one of my favorite books of the Bible. That along with 65 other ones that are found in the Bible. You all got that, right? Otherwise, we're going to have to call her back and order lattes for all of you to kind of pump you up here a little bit. Hey, you know, um, I brought something. Just as a simple illustration this morning, um, I told a fib in the first service to say that um, I uh, don't like speaking on an empty stomach. So normally, mornings like this, I just have a piece of toast, um, probably just to absorb all the acid in your system that goes when you get nervous about speaking, right? But um, I, I, I'm sorry I don't have enough for everyone. But you know that story about the loaves and fishes? Well, God's already got that taken care of, so we'll see how he moves through that. Um, well, let me just start, so maybe we'll have some toast. I do? Okay, we'll come back. It's just not cooperating. You know, the scripture that Wendy shared with us, Ephesians three fourteen through 21, is really the second of two prayers that the Apostle Paul, the writer of this book of Ephesians that we're studying, it's the second of two prayers that, that is found in that book. The first one is found in chapter 1, in verses 15 through 23. And, and so, before we go forward, I want to go back, because it seems we've been in this study for the book of Ephesians for a number of weeks now. And if you're like me, Ephesians 1, when we did that lesson, is like ancient history. I mean, you know, it probably just left. So, it, to put today's message a little bit more into context, I wanted to bring back what we looked at in chapter 1. And just, you can read this along with me. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith, this is Paul's first prayer in the beginning of Ephesians. I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people. I can't read that one, so I'll look at this one. And I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope for which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him in his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power, and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. In this first prayer here, the Apostle Paul puts the emphasis on enlightenment of the Spirit, he wants to wake us up to some things. He wants us to become aware of the presence and the power of God and how he moves throughout the earth today and back then as well in the presence of this person that we describe as the Holy Spirit. So it's on, the emphasis is on enlightenment. 
And he uses phrases, the writer uses phrases in this letter like wisdom and understanding, insight, revelation. He wants us to see something differently. He wants us to realize something that he's sharing here. Note the challenge in verse 17. It says, so that you may know him better. In other words, to recognize and understand who Christ is and all that he's done for us. Now, complementary in this morning's text, we find in chapter 3, the emphasis of this prayer is not enlightenment, it's on empowerment. It's, it's getting connected, it's getting hooked up with the Holy Spirit. More than just being aware of who he is and what he does, but really um, entering in and participating in, in, in real time with what the Holy Spirit is doing. So it's not just a matter of knowing or having some head knowledge. There's a difference between knowing something and there's a difference between experiencing something. And in this passage in Ephesians 3, Paul is talking about it being very experiential, our interaction with God being very experiential. It's, uh, it's like a matter of, of, of our being. It's like laying our hands on what God has for us. And it's this idea of actually getting our arms around the whole issue of being present with God and letting God be present with us in every aspect that we do, in, in the everyday aspects of our lives. As a matter of fact, this person of the Holy Spirit is vital to our spiritual health and wants to be a part of every, of every life. So, in essence, Paul is saying to us, I want you to, I, I want to get your head, I want you to get your heart, your whole being hooked up with God's very presence, realizing how vast and how powerful and how literally awesome God's presence is and allow him then to lead us and direct us and fashion in us his will that it comes about and, and, and really influence every aspect, our thinking, our behavior, how we respond, our attitudes. Um, one of my favorite authors is a fellow by the name of Henry Nouwen. He was um, a Catholic theologian, one of the top in the world. And he said it this way. When we speak about the Holy Spirit, we speak about the living breath of God breathing in us. I was touched by the song selection that Dusty had this morning because we talked about, we sang about, and we worshiped about the very breath of God breathing on us. I, I commented to my friend Rob, I said, this is a dangerous song. This is a powerful song because we actually invite the Holy breath of God to breathe in us and start moving in us and moving in our midst. And um, that's a, that's a, a real powerful uh, image and illustration. Now, I just want to make a sidebar here in relation to this scripture that we're talking about today. Both of these prayers that Paul mentions in um, Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3 deal with our spiritual well-being. He's not talking about our physical well-being. He's talking about our spiritual health, our spiritual death. This inner person, which is often referred to as the heart, sometimes we refer it to as the soul. Those times are, or those titles are oftentimes interchangeable. Uh, even Sigmund Freud, who was a, a non-believer, he was an atheist, described this inner personal being as id, this id, this something in us that is more than just our thinking and more than just our physical being. So today we'll call it the heart, we'll call it the soul, as we, as we talk about this, this inner person that God longs to have communion with and dwell within us. 
So um, when we're talking today, we're not really talking about material or physical blessings, but we're talking about this spiritual infilling. Now, let me just clarify. It's certainly not wrong to pray for physical and material needs. We do that all the time. And after this service, if you'd like somebody to pray with you, to learn more about what we're talking about this morning, either in the presence of the Holy Spirit or who this person Jesus Christ is, or maybe you have a physical need, someone's sick in your family or you need a job or something like that, we're happy to pray with you and we will. I just want to clarify that the emphasis this morning in this scripture text is about our spiritual well-being because that's an important aspect of our wholeness as well. You see, Paul knew that when the inner life, the spiritual life in us, has a sense of depth, has a sense of, of gravity, has a sense of embracing that which the Spirit wants to do, the rest of our behavior, our outward behavior, our attitudes, our emotions, um, our actions, will take care of themselves. Why? Because we're being driven by something that's deeper inside of us. We're being led and presented by the Holy Spirit and not just by our own attitudes and our own emotions. So um, Paul was um, very aware of, of sometimes what happens when we pray. And, and maybe you can relate to this. It, it happens oftentimes with us as well. We sometimes pray kind of superficially. Um, I would liken it to um, we pray like a bad country western song. You've heard it before, right? Bless my wife, bless my life, bless my kids, bless my dog, bless my work. But we sometimes never go deeper than that in relation to our expectation or in relation to our our communion or our intimacy with God. And um, he, he, was, he would have much more for us. In this scripture, he's going to talk about having it much deeper. Um, because many times our, our prayers, when they're surfaced like that, they fail to lay hold of, of what we truly and really need, what the people around us really need which is not just a topical blessing, but a deep soaking transformation in the very guts, in the very bowels of our lives. Now, here's an immediate application for us today. Um, it would be really good for us to get this application. If you have a pen, I'd encourage you to write this down. Um, we're not going to wait till the end of the message to talk about how this thing comes together and what's the application. The application here today is we would do well to adopt these prayers that Paul outlines here in Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3 as our own and and really start to embrace and meditate on what God is really speaking through Paul in this letter to us today and how he wants to manifest himself there. So an immediate application, a takeaway from this morning's message is uh, how do we get in touch that with this prayer dealing with our inner spirit um, and where is the neatest, our greatest needs, both within ourselves and the people that surround us? Now, in this morning, I want to go back again. Before we go on, I just want to go back and touch on something that Pastor Ross shared with us last week in the first portions of Ephesians 3. If you were here last week, um, or maybe you weren't, that's okay. Um, last week we covered Ephesians 1 through 13, so this is a continuing series. Um, but there was something that we read last week as part of this text in the scriptures. And uh, I just want to, I, I want us to not miss that. 
And, and this is the way the scripture says in, from the Living Bible translation in Ephesians 3. It says, now we can come furiously right into God's presence, assured of his glad welcome, when we come with Christ and trust in him. This is a profound lead up to this prayer because it, it, uh, it, it sets something up for us. It has this expectation. We can come fearlessly right into God's presence. Oftentimes we don't think about God's presence very much. But this scripture says, hey, we can enter right in. Assured of his glad welcome. Now, what's powerful about this and what I want you to note about this particular um, verse is that the context of it is relational. It's very relationship driven. Which is so cool because one of the core values, if you've been around Quest more than 10 minutes, you'll know that one of our core values is the value of relationship. The value of relationship with one another, with God, and with our community. I mean, that's one of the reasons that our our announcements this morning were marathon. Man, there's more activities around here to connect people, to serve the community, to be a part of it. It's not just a come-to place. We want to be a go-to people, a missional people that affects and impacts the community that we live in and surrounds us. Why? Because God calls us to be his ambassadors and bring his salt and his life to the community. Even though he's blessed us with a nice facility and we love people to come, he sends us and he sends us to go. And we can do that so we can come in and out through relationship. Because, look it, we don't come alone. This scripture says we come with Christ. The intimacy and the relationship with the Father comes through the Son and now continues on with us through the presence of his Holy Spirit. You see that? See how that's very relational? So it runs right consistent with how we're trying to respond to, to what God's calling us to do as a church through this idea of relationship. Um, you know what? That's simply transformational stuff. When we can get connected to God's presence and his Holy Spirit like that, he starts to transform us. He starts to change us. And that can be very good. It can be really scary sometimes. Um, I bought a book several weeks ago just on the name on the cover itself. And it says, change is good, you go first. <laughs> I didn't know it was in the rest of the book, but I bought it just because of the cover. Because it reminds us that we need to be pliable and flexible as God continues to move. As we continue to grow, things are going to change. We're going to look differently. And um, so we just need to, to be pliable like that. Um, you know, this, this idea of um, living and practicing the presence of God, living in the presence of God, we sang about that earlier too, um, brought to mind one of my, one of my favorite books I, I read as a hobby. But one of my favorite books is, um, was written by, by really a, a small-time monk who went by the name of Brother Lawrence. And he wrote this book called The Practice of the Presence of God. It's just a small 100-page reading with meditations and devotions in it. But he talked about how he made his everyday experience with God real. He was um, not a famous um, clergyman at all. He was a humble brother that was um, um, a cobbler. He made shoes for a number of years. And then he was promoted to the kitchen. And he got to wash dishes and prepare meals for the monastery. 
And he, um, but he wrote about his experiences in practicing the presence of God, and it was really simple. He just simply confessed that everything he did, he wanted God to be present. He wanted to remember the presence of God. And the story goes that it was not unlikely that you would see him, if you walked into the kitchen, you would see him laying on the floor, prostrate before God, just praising him because he was so present. I don't know about you, but I long to taste the presence of the Holy Spirit like that. That I would think nothing about it, my office falling on my face before God to enjoy his presence. Now, it doesn't need to be that radical. And I want to just talk about some disclaimers this morning. What being filled with the Holy Spirit is not, because sometimes it gets kind of a bad rap. We've seen, um, you know, sometimes we associate being filled with the Holy Spirit as this wild, crazy people. You know, oh, those crazy charismatics, they're bringing snakes to church and they're butchering chickens. And oh, my gosh, what they're doing, they're running around. You got to lift your hands and you got to shake your butt. And uh, I mean, that is not necessarily the full expression of the Holy Spirit. Now, some people are more expressive. And some people are more calm and serene. Um, the other spectrum, that's one extreme, the other spectrum is the piousness that we put on with no expression in our face saying, we are so holy and so spiritual, we're so deep, but we never express any love or relationship with our living God or any of his people. It's one of those that you have to send a message to a person and say, hey, if you're alive, will you let your face know about it? I mean, you just, is there any interaction? Is there any intimacy that we can have to make a connection with other people and God's people to really participate in the full aspect of community? It's a team sport. You've got to be a part of that. So that's probably the other extreme. And then there's all the rest of that. I don't know how God controls all that. You know what? I, I don't really care either. That's not my business. What I love is he allows us to be who we are, how he's made us, to enter in and worship him but we have to respond. That's part of our responsibility. So, you know, at the very core of of Lawrence's message, what he exemplifies is described in, in the verses that we're seeing. This thing that he's learned, the most essential part of the Christian life, is how do we remain in the presence of God in our everyday activities? Let me ask you something. Do you have that kind of confidence and trust in God when you enter into his presence? And if not, then I want to ask you, why not? Because it's readily available to all of us. His word, his truth, proclaim that. Well, let's go on and see the Apostle Paul's reaction described in verses 14 and 15. Again, this is a translation from the Living Bible. When I think of the wisdom and scope of his plan, I fall down on my knees and pray to the Father of all the great family of God, some of them already in heaven and some down here on earth. There's just a couple observations I want to, I want to make that we should note when we read this scripture that really jumps off the page to us. And that is, I want you to consider the posture that Paul had when he was thinking about the grandeur of God. When he thinks about and he tries to get engaged with what God's doing in the earth. Here he describes it as wisdom and the scope of his plan, the scope of God's plan. What's his reaction? He falls on his face. He is so overwhelmed by the power and the presence of God that he literally humbles himself and he bows on his knee before God. 
May I suggest that that's not often our response when we think about the plan of God. Yet the Apostle Paul here, who had some really close encounters with God throughout his career, can't help but fall on his knees before the Father, humbling himself, surrendering himself, to be, when he begins to realize what God is up to in his own life and in the life of all those that he's surrounded with. Can I suggest that maybe as Western Christians, we need to um, think about that. Let me ask you, when was the last time you fell down on your knees before God? I mean, when was the last time, other than a critical crisis in your life, you know, that crisis that happens where something really powerful happens and you go, oh God, and you, you almost fall over. You, you can hardly stand it because of the crushing anxiety that you're experiencing. But in an everyday, day in and day out aspect, when's the last time you just fell down on your knees before God and humbled yourself? Um, you know, I guess let's make this point. Whether we bow our knees or not is not really the most important thing. But that we bow our hearts, this inner being, this inner man, and humbly submit our wills to the Lord and ask him for what we spiritually need, what we really hunger for, what really becomes transformational in our lives, not just material, is what we're talking about and hearing about in this particular portion of of Scripture. It's a simple illustration that is a way that Paul um, enjoyed the presence of God, and yet he was so overwhelmed by it that he couldn't help but respond than humbling himself and falling down before the glorious king. Um, you know, how about this? Here's an idea. Let's just practice God's presence here just for a moment. Will you do that? Are you, are you excited about that? Note to the people listening to the podcast that there was a, a non-response when I asked, are you excited about practicing the presence of God? Okay, That was a little underwhelming. Um, Let me push you a little bit. Can I push you a little bit? No. (laughs) Here's an idea. Let's practice it right now, right here. If you can, can you just turn in your seats for a minute and kneel down at your place where you're at while I reread the scripture and let it meditate as as Wendy um, shared it before? This will only take a minute, but I want it to soak into your heart. Let it get past your head and penetrate your soul just for a few minutes. Father, may your, your spirit be with us and may we, may we recognize your presence here with us as we, as we dwell on your truth here. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen us with power through his spirit in our inner being so that Christ, you, Lord Jesus, may dwell in our hearts through faith. And we pray that being rooted and established in love. Your your power, you have the power together with all the Lord's holy people that you give us the power to grasp how wide and how long and high and deep is your love, Lord Jesus, for us. And to know that your love surpasses all knowledge and understanding that we have and that we may be filled up to the measure of the fullness of God. 
Amen. Okay, you can be seated again. Thanks for playing along. Um, Let me just make an observation here. Uh, You might have felt a little uncomfortable. You might be saying, boy, was that weird. You might be saying, I'm glad this guy doesn't speak at our church every week because I don't like getting my button pushed. Um, Or maybe your response was, you didn't come out of a traditional church background and you go, you know, I've never knelt in church before. Um, And I guess that's the point. If our spirituality is that shallow, and it's a sad commentary on the depth of our faith, when we consistently are feeling uncomfortable or we sense it unnatural, that we could simply bow down in humility before the Lord. Father, help us with your Holy Spirit and forgive us, for we know not what we do. Well, here's what we need to see in this prayer. There's um, this illustration in the, there's four things that Paul talks about that he wants us to get in touch with. And, and an illustration to help us connect with that is that of a telescope. You know, a telescope, when we, when we extend it out, um, helps us focus and see something more clearly, something that was maybe distant, it brings it very closer. And in a telescope, one thing is connected to the next, to the next, to the next. It doesn't work if it's all disconnected. And, and so what, what Paul's trying to do here, see, one thing leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. What Paul's trying to do here in this illustration is to give us this telescope so that it deepens our understanding and our empowerment, embracing what the Holy Spirit is trying to say to us through this thing. And so the first thing that it draws about and it, and it helps us get into focus is this um, strength. This is, this, this is prayer, again, remember, is about our inner being. So the first thing we see is spiritual strength, which in turn leads to a deeper experience in Christ. And, and this deeper experience with Christ helps us to, three, understand, comprehend, get a hold of, actually grasp God's great love. Not just think about, but I mean really embrace God's love. That's this term here that he uses, grasp, which results in us being filled to the fullness of God. Can you see it? How one relates to another, how it relates to another? We're praying for spiritual strength. We're praying for faith that is deep, firsthand experience with God's presence, and the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Okay? That's what I call getting hooked up. That's what I call being connected with the presence of God and the power of His Holy Spirit. Do you realize that the only resource we have for Christian living today is the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in us. Can we get that slide? I think I have a slide. Earth to the sound booth. Thank you. When we're not connected, we have no sense of being. We have no power. I don't know about you, but I hate doing things on my own. I try to have an agreement with God. If he shows up, I want to be there. If he ain't going, I ain't going. Because I've done too many things on my own strength. It's like pushing a rope up a mountain. It never goes anywhere. But when God's hand is on it and he starts to pull it, man, it goes faster than I could ever keep up. That's the kind of engagement I want to have with God. And I bet that's the kind of engagement that you long for as well. One of the most important questions we can ask ourselves is this. From what, or maybe better yet, from whom do you get your power source from? 
What helps you draw your nourishment and your stability in life? You see, if, if there's to be any power in our Christian lives at all, we've got to be hooked up, securely hooked up and connected to the source here. And that connection point is described as the person and the presence of God's Holy Spirit. This, this scripture goes into great deal, great deal of experiencing God's presence and his love. It, it talks about it in four different dimensions. It talks about it how, how high, how wide, how deep, and how long God's love is. See, what, what he's describing here for us is that God's love is infinite, which means it never ends. There was no beginning and there's no end. And it's eternal. It never stops. Now, I can't figure that out. I can't understand the concept of infinity and the concept of eternity. I always want to know, didn't there have to be a beginning there somewhere? And didn't there have to be an end there somewhere? Um, maybe some of you come from traditional churches. This would be one of those things that would be described as the mystery of faith. You see, God is so big that our imagination can't figure all those things out. The mystery of faith is that we still enter in trusting him, knowing it to be true, and faithfully walking in him, so he does his part and we respond to that. Okay, So it doesn't matter that we can't figure it out. It matters that it's true. Um, you know, personally, how does this work? Well, I, I just, let me just share a story with you on Thursday morning. Thursday morning, I, I set aside some extended quiet time just to um, just to relax and think about what God was doing in my life. Um, like many of you, my life is extremely busy. We've got some projects going on in, in work that is just um, dominates my time there. We, there's also been some ministry opportunities that have come up this summer that, um, that I felt led to participate in, so that takes some additional time. Even preparing for a message like this, as fun as this is, takes some time. So my margin has shrunk, and I found myself what I describe as running on empty. Can anybody relate to running on empty? Okay, you don't have to raise your hand, but thanks. Um, it's that idea that I got nothing left. And I've learned some things in my life. I learned, I've learned that when I'm, uh, you can't give what you don't have. And so when I'm empty emotionally, relationally, physically, spiritually, I have nothing left to give. And that is um, not who God made me to be. He's made me to be a giver. And so I just paused. I needed some spiritual R&R. I, I needed my spiritual batteries to be recharged. So I just scheduled some time, made an appointment with God, and prayed that he'd show up. Now, through that time, it, it, it took a while for me to settle my mind. Um, I don't know about you, but oftentimes when I set time aside to do something special like praying or just meditating or just relaxing in God... Uh, the jumping monkeys in my head show up. Can you relate to that? I mean, I live a lot in my head. And so, you know, all these distractions, and I'm thinking about this and thinking about work and thinking about, you know, all everything but the real enjoying the presence of God. And so it took a while to get past that and really um, dwell from my head to my heart. 
to move from my thoughts to this inner being, my, my soul. And really, it's not that far. It's only about two feet. But some days, it seems like it's a million miles. Can you, you understand what I'm saying? So finally, I get to the point where um, I just simply pray, Father, I really would like to hear you. And there's a long pause and a longer pause and a longer pause. And finally, this quiet thought comes to mind. It was like a whisper. And it said, I love you, my son. He reminded me that I'm one of his beloved. He reminds you this morning that you're one of his beloved. And yes, if you're wondering if I cried, I did. I was overwhelmed. Now, it wasn't dramatic. There was no booming voice. There was no parting of the sea, the Red Sea didn't part. It wasn't a visible sign at all. It was just this inner sensing that when I finally had my spirit quiet enough, I could really listen to what the Father was saying. And you know what? I wish it was digital. I wish I could turn it on and turn it off just like that, but I can't. Most of us can't. God moves the way he wants to move. I was just touched, though, by that response and how it just um, filled me. I I felt a, a sense of being refreshed all in the midst of that. Um, This morning, I think God wants us to be reminded that he loves us as his children, that we're special in his sight. So, you know, for me, a close encounter with God like that um, begs this question. Are you making enough room for Christ and the fullness of his love and the presence of his Holy Spirit that it supplies. Are, are you making enough room in your heart for that? Maybe the better question is, how are you making room for the Holy Spirit to lead you and to move you? We've got to give him some space. We've got to give him some time. We've got to really allow him to work in and through us. Well, as you think about that, uh, this text finishes with an exciting truth that, that, that God wants to do something amazing, some amazing work in and through us. Here again, we're assured that through the power of his mighty spirit, not our own strength, he's ready, willing, and more than able to do all that he wants to do. The scripture says more than we can ask or imagine. I love the way the, the, the new The Living Bible describes it. He says this, Now glory be to God, who by his mighty power at work within us, is able to do far more than we ever even dare to ask or even dream of. It goes on, it says, Infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. Let me ask you a question. Do you have a high view of God like this? Do you have this kind of an expectation of the presence of God and the power of His Holy Spirit to dwell and work and and, and minister through you and your life? Think about it for a moment. Is your hope, your thoughts, your dreams, 
your trust, your faith, growing in an ever-expanding spiritual maturity as you follow Christ? And I would suggest to you, if not, then you've made your God way too small. See, the scripture tells us that God is bigger. He's much bigger. He's much, much bigger. He's bigger than big. Far beyond what we can ask or imagine. The scripture says far more than we can ever dream of. I don't know about you, but I've got a really vivid imagination. It goes wild sometimes. I can imagine some really crazy things. Yet the scripture puts into context that there's nothing close that we can compare in this worldly dimension about the goodness and the grandeur of God. This picture illustrates the Grand Canyon, one of the most fabulous things that you'll ever witness in physical creation on this earth. And yet, it doesn't compare. It it doesn't even belong on the same slide page when we think about comparing it to what God's doing, what God wants to do, and who God is. And so, we need to challenge ourselves that that we... um, just had to think bigger about both God, what he wants to do, and how he wants to do it. Um, you know, let me just, let me give you another illustration. This happened just recently, um, a story that personally happened to me that is stretching me beyond my expectation of what God is and what he wants to do. Um, last November, we were, for the last two years, we've been looking for a building for our ministry to expand. Okay, currently we're in 6,000 square feet, and we've just hit the lid on the thing. It just you, you can't do much more because of the limitation of the physical plant. So for the last two years, I've been looking around um, the school district of Westerville for another facility for our uh, for our work. I've, I've 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 gone through over 80 properties in the last two years. There's not probably a commercial piece of real estate in the Westerville school district that I haven't looked at. So last November. We had a board meeting, and I finally had just convinced the board that we should just go build something, okay? We can't wait any longer. We should just go build something. And my plan, and here's a side note, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plan, okay? So my plan was that we would uh, buy this piece of property that would allow us to grow for the next 20 years, and we'd build something 12,000 square feet, double the size of what we currently are. So that was a big stretch, double. And uh, we could add on to it 5,000 square foot increments over the next 20 years so it could grow to 20,000 square feet, okay? A week after that board meeting, when our board members all agreed, the realtor called me and said, um, hey, there's another property I want you to look at. And I said, no, I'm done. I, I've just looked at enough. And he said, just, my job is to give you properties. Your job is to go look at them, okay? And I went... I want to be able to stare my board in the face and truthfully say, I've looked at every property that came before us. And so I went. You know, one of those where God grabs you by the scruff of the neck and he kind of drags you along there. I didn't say I went willingly. Well, I walked in and, uh, and I knew right away that God had been holding that for us. So I called our board, uh, a segment of our board who was helping us go through the the um, evaluation stage of properties. And I said, there's something you need to see. Small contingency came, went through it two, three days later. And that night at 8 o'clock, my board chair called me at home. And he said, Scott, I want you to stop working and doing anything that you're doing on any other property. 
And I want you to get the whole board through this before the end of the year. Now it's Christmas, okay? It's two weeks before Christmas. He said, uh, and this is what sticks in my head. He said, because I believe that the Lord has held that building for us. For me, that was a confirmation. I had sensed that in my spirit. Couldn't prove it. And there was a lot of people that thought I was crazy. But I heard it again through the, through the mouth of my board chair saying, I think that that's the building that God has had us. We brought the rest of the board members through. They unanimously agreed, and we were allowed to go on and, and negotiate for it. Um, okay, my plan was 12,000 square feet, expandable to 20,000 over 20 years. Got it? God's plan from the first day I walked into this building to the time we closed was 110 days. This facility is 40,000 square feet. And he gave it to us for a half a million dollars less than what we expected to pay. Now, can I confess to you, I don't know what God's up to. But I know he's up to something. It's um, double what my plan was in like a fraction of the time. And um, it's seven times bigger than our current facility. I don't know what to fully do with it. Yeah, yeah, that's, it is. It's good stuff. So can I tell you, I don't, I don't really know what God's up to yet, but I know he's up to something. And I'm just committed to following him. Now, this morning, what's kind of interesting is I was in the shower of all the places for God to speak to you. I was in the shower this morning, and I'm thinking about, you know, the scripture and what to share. And it dawned on me, I had always seen this as a physical blessing. This facility is a physical blessing. And what the Spirit spoke to me in the, in the shower this morning was this, that um, although it is bigger physically, it has a spiritual dimension of what God wants to do with his presence in the expansion of his presence in, a, in the school district of Westerville. And as I prayed on that, he, he showed me the same thing for Quest. Why is it that he's given us 19 acres here in this place? Why is it that he's given us such a, a fantastic sanctuary? Why is it that he's blessed us with so much to give? And I believe it's to change and transform the spiritual condition of the communities that surround this place. Gahanna, Johnstown, Westerville, Columbus, New Albany, Granville, and all the surrounding areas. Can I say that prophetically this morning? Because God's on the move. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of that. And that's one of the reasons why we do so many things from an outreach standpoint is to make God's presence known through practical love and practical application. Well, the scripture ends. Dusty's going to share a song with us in a minute and, and, and have some, just some ministry for us. But this text concludes with an expression of thanks and giving glory to God. Um, simply put, when, when the writer finishes, when Paul finishes this letter, can we go to the next slide? Um, God gets all the credit, but we get his Holy Spirit. You see the thing? God gets all the credit, all the glory, all these things that are going on in you and I. It's all because of God. But the cool thing is we get God through the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's just mind-blowing. Here's how one author summarizes it, this amazing truth. It is the work of the Holy Spirit 
the spirit from above. It's the greatest gift a human being can receive, a gift that is to be gently held, carefully protected, and patiently led to full maturity. In the book of Acts, when the gift of the Holy Spirit was going out on just about everyone who was within earshot of the gospel, the scripture describes it as the believers learn to walk in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. One of my prayers today is that we, as a faith community, learn to walk and practice and demonstrate respecting the Lord by the way we live and being encouraged, being filled, both individually and as a group of believers, that we might continue to grow in Him, that we would grow physically, that we would grow emotionally and relationally, but most of all, that we would grow in spiritual maturity, fully embracing all that God has for us today. That's my prayer for us. Um, Dusty's going to play this song, and I just want you to listen to it. He's going to invite us to maybe sing some of it later, and then um, the band's going to come back and take us out in worship. But let this song just minister to you for a few minutes, will you? I finally remembered to plug the toaster in so the toast is ready. Some reminder for you to get plugged in, get hooked up with the power of the Holy Spirit today and forevermore. Let's pray together. As we do this, um, there's a prayer that I found that I want us to pray together. And um, it's called a prayer for a new day. So will you take the hand of a person that's close to you, just maybe right next to you, and, and pray this um, Let's pray this together, but can we do it praying it out loud? It's okay to talk in church, so let's pray out loud together. Oh God, help us today to welcome Jesus in our lives. The Jesus when we meet in our family, among our friends, and in our cities. And truly believe that as we reach out, we will discover that Jesus is still among us, still smiles at us, and still gives us his blessings. Bless us today, each one who listens to the words of God, and let something really new happen among us that comes from your life-giving spirit. In this we pray, amen. Be blessed this week as you go out and about in the name of the Lord. If you would like prayer today, we've got some really nice people that are going to be right in the back in this back corner. I invite you to come if you want to learn more about the presence of the Holy Spirit, who this Jesus is we're talking about. Or if you have some need that we can pray for you for today, please, we'll see you right back there. Have a great week in the Lord. Thank you for listening. Join us at Quest as we walk with one another in friendship while discovering the reality and goodness of God together. For more information and service times, visit us online at gotoquest.org.